you need to learn how to trust yourself before you can trust anything else. All right. Welcome or welcome back to Just Know Though podcast. We are in our first Generation Dreams series. We have our second guest. She's a wife, a mother, a business owner of a spa. And I don't want to mess up the name. So can you say the name of your spa really quick? Yes, of course. It's Citrin Aesthetics. Citrin Aesthetics. We have Karina here with us today to share her first generation dream story and our co-host, Brandon. So without further ado, thank you so much, Karina, for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Anything that we missed in the intro that you kind of want to tell us or you're being so modest, so... I feel like, you know, we have, as we get older, we wear many hats. I don't, I think I think that's pretty good. <laughs> We're going to work on that because I know you have a lot of talent. So we will work on that. All right. Should we start off with our first question, Brandon? Which is, what does first generation mean to you? And feel free to go into your story and start wherever you'd like to start. Uh, first generation to me means your family coming here immigrants for the first, uh, like my parents, you know, my parents migrated from Mexico to the United States. And I was born in Mexico. And my dad, he brought my mom and I over, they began a life here where my siblings were born. And from there, you know, just living the American, the American dream. I am the oldest of four. I'm the only one that was born in Mexico. So when I came to the United States, I had my permanent residency, which is a permit where you're able to live here in the United States, you're pretty much able to do almost everything except you can't vote. And if you're going to travel to different countries, you need to have their permission to enter their country. Australia, which I didn't know until I went on my honeymoon and we booked our honeymoon months in advance, prepaid everything. And when I went to the airport, they told me that I was not able to enter Australia because I was a permanent resident. It was so crazy. I remember I was just crying and my husband, he's a citizen. So I remember just telling him, it's okay. You can go if you want. And he was just laughing at me, you know, and I'm like, what? And he's like, how did you not know? I was like, I didn't know. It doesn't tell you when you're booking. Those are some of the things that I've had to learn from being a permanent residency. Not until they happen, then I learned the hard way. <laughs> so I couldn't travel to Australia before and I couldn't vote. And then also um, jury, I couldn't do, I couldn't attend any jury. So now that I'm as a U.S. citizen, I received the letters about going into jury and I'm like, oh, great. So yeah, my dad, I had asked my dad actually when I applied to when I applied for the citizenship, I had asked my dad, dad, like, how is it that we became, you know, how is it that you came here? And he told me, you know, he had met my mom in Mexico. And he grew up in a ranch. And he was one, I believe, out of 14 kids. He didn't even get to go to school. He only was able to attend to school to fifth grade. Um, after that, he had to work in the ranch and help my grandparents make a living and stuff like that. It's it's a privilege to go to school over there in, in Mexico, at least where the where he's from. My mom, however, was able to go all the way up to high school, and she graduated from high school. Soon after that is when um, she got married and she became a wife. And then once she became a wife, she stayed with my dad. So then, yeah, he was telling me, you know, he wanted a better life, not just to be working in the ranch all the time and barely making ends meet. Came to the United States and he started working in the fields, doing the typical where you rent, where you stay with other people and then family members and you save your money and then you send your money back. Um, I was born by then already. My parents had gotten married and um, my mom stayed back in Mexico so while my dad was up here in the United States working so he would send money diapers clothes you know then uh, a couple years into being a migrant worker um, I'm not a migrant worker of a field worker he said the governor at the time created an amnesty where the field workers were able to re uh, attain permanent residency um, as long as they were being a field worker so he did he applied for the permanent residency he waited whatever he needed to wait I think he said about a year or two and then he was able to apply for my mom and I by the time he was able to apply 
for my mom and I, then we were, um, we were, you know, accepted. And then we were able to come to the United States with him. So it's crazy because I, all I know is United States. I don't really remember living in Mexico or growing up in Mexico. I do remember some, some areas of my life, but to me, it was like, I was visiting Mexico. I did, it wasn't like, oh, that's my country. You know, that's where I was, I was born in. The time passed and we, my parents just started working and trying to create the American life here, the American dream here in the United States. I remember when I first started going to school here, I didn't know English. I didn't speak English. My parents didn't speak English. They only spoke Spanish. And I remember I started these, I remember it was a Santa Rita school in Salinas. My mom dropped me off to school and I remember coming in there. I just remember like, I felt like I was just thrown into school, you know, without any guidance. I started school and I just remember I couldn't understand what they were saying. But even the teachers, I remember the teachers, I couldn't understand what the teachers were saying or the kids were saying. I just remember they would kind of look at me and laugh at me because I couldn't understand English. And I remember thinking, wow, how how low can a person feel? How lonely can you feel in a country that you have no clue what they're saying? I couldn't read English, you know, I couldn't understand anything they were saying. And I remember just thinking in that moment, if I were ever to be in this position, I would never make anyone feel like this. If I were able to help someone, I would never try to make them feel bad because they couldn't understand what other people were saying, you know? And the kids are mean, kids are mean anyway, to begin with. And they get alone, a little Mexican girl coming in and she doesn't understand what anyone's saying. I just remember them like saying my name and like, I've never felt so helpless, you know? Wanna say two years after that is when I started finally being able to understand English. And I remember they used to have these school fairs at the school. You know, we used to have an allowance back then and um, like quarters here and there, you know, it wasn't nothing big. And I would save up my money because I'm like, I'm gonna learn how to speak this language. I'm gonna learn how to speak it and write it and read it and understand it. And no one's gonna make fun of me like that anymore, you know? I would buy books, beginner's books, beginner's books. I would go home and I would speak out loud and I would just practice on the accents and I would practice reading out loud. I didn't even know what the words were, what the words were. Back then we used to have dictionaries and we had the dictionary, the translation, the Spanish and English dictionary. I would read them out loud and then afterwards I would look at them at the translator dictionary and I'm like, what am I reading? I used to have notes to like write down the words that I couldn't understand and then I had like key like keywords to help me remember the definition of those words. It's crazy now. Now we have Google, you know, now we have Google and we have all these things that, you know, that help us out, but it makes me feel kind of old. <laughs> but, you know. Anyway, so my mom would be like, ¿Qué estás haciendo? What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just practicing because I don't know how to say these words. And the kids make fun of me and they're, you know, they were just like, oh, whatever, don't listen to them. But it's easy for your parents to tell you, like, don't listen to those kids. But in that moment, as a kid, that's your whole world. That's your whole life. And I had to go to school every day and sit there in classroom, just looking at all of these kids, like being able to raise their hand and understand the teacher and speak back to them. And I just sat there. I, I couldn't understand what was happening. And wow, that's crazy. I'm like, I'm, I'm going back right now as I'm just speak, talking about this. I'm going back and placing myself, sitting there as a little carinita, looking up at the teacher. You know, it's crazy. Everything's temporary. It's just, you know, it's one of the life's lessons, um, I hope. Many of us learn that everything is temporary. Our situations, our pain is temporary. We just have to find a way to keep going. And my way of keep going was buying books from the, from the fair and practicing out loud how to say the words so that I could at least work on my accent, even if I didn't understand what they were, the definition meaning of the words were. But yeah, by second year grade, I was able to finally understand um, English.
more. I remember that it felt amazing to finally be able to understand what the, what the teachers were saying. If When you don't understand what someone's saying in a different language, you feel like they're talking about you. But they're not. You know, it's just our ego. It's our ego that's focused on ourselves. And we can't think of outside of anything but ourselves, you know. Yeah, so that was that. And after that, I was just being put and um, the bilingual classes up until fourth grade. I remember I was transferred over to just English speaking classes. And I was so afraid. I remember just being so afraid. I'm like, no, I'm not going to understand what they're saying. Like, I need to have a little bit of Spanish in there, you know. And but the teachers, they see, you know, they see potential in you. And it's something that I've come to learn with life now that people that are older, they're older than you, have lived more than you they're able to see potential in others and us. And sometimes we are so caught up in our lives that we don't see it. But our my teacher, I always think about him because he believed in me and he believed in me and he believed that I should be in that class. You know, he really helped me out a lot. He helped me out a lot. And after that, I stopped being in bilingual classes. After that, I was just like in avid classes, English classes, all these um, advanced classes growing up. My parents had no clue. My parents had no clue, you know, like they knew that I was doing good, but they didn't had no clue what these classes meant, you know, because they had, all they knew is Spanish. And this was our first life being in a different country. And they didn't even understand what A's and B's were. It was more like numbers, sevens. Back in Mexico, they had, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten or other numbers, you know. And so they were like, what's the equivalent of this? And I'm like, I think an A is a 10. So they're like, okay, well, then that's good. It was crazy because not only was I in this country trying to live this new life and in a country where I didn't understand the language, but I also had to help navigate. I had to navigate my parents through this as well. You know, I'm like a little kid translating big grown, you know, words in English. And I had my parents depended on me so much for a translation and it was so scary, especially being the oldest, you know, I didn't have any other siblings to look to look for help. Yeah, to for guidance. I didn't have cousins. I didn't have like, you know, tios, tias, uh, friends, anything like that that were able to I looked for help for. I had to figure it out on my own, just trust in the school system that I was going to be able to get through everything. But yeah, it's crazy. Oh my God. I feel like I'm having flashbacks. After that, I have my sister. I have a younger sister. I have uh, two younger brothers. In our house, we weren't allowed to speak English. We were only allowed to speak Spanish. And if you spoke English, it was disrespectful. But then again, we were having, we were trying to help each other how to speak English, which is crazy being a first generation and the traditional views that we carry into this country. And, you know, as a child, you do nothing, but you have to follow what they're telling your parents. You trust that what their guidance is the correct thing to do. And you just do as you're told, you know, you're not really one to question it. I always had, I felt like as the oldest one, I always had the responsibility of translating everything and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. It was so hard and having to go to the doctor's appointments and translate what the doctor was saying to my dad or my mom, you know, and it's like, I don't know. My dad used to tell me, well, aren't you going to school? Like you should know. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to school for doctor school. Like, I don't know what this is. We're learning other stuff, science, like, you know, um, spelling bees. Like, it's just crazy what the first, being the first generation and especially the oldest, the kind of responsibility that we carry, you know? I'm, I'm grateful for everything. I'm grateful for everything because my dad, he wanted more for his family, you know, and as much as, you know, he loves Mexico, Mexico, like as much as he loves his country and his people, like our people, you know, everything. This is this country. The U.S. is the country of opportunity. You can literally come from wherever you want to wherever you come from. Well, you can't always come up, you know, you have to have some kind of permit. Well, not all of us have it. But if you come and you're able to make a life here, create a life here, you literally can become anything you want to. And sometimes think about what I would be if I were to 
stayed in Mexico, you know, I don't know if I would have had the same opportunities or the same freedom as a woman here to be able to follow my dreams here. I don't know if I would have those opportunities in Mexico. I don't know if I would have had to marry right after high school. I don't know what, you know, I honestly don't know. Um, so I'm really grateful that my dad decided to this country, to this beautiful country. And, you know, he, he applied for us in order for us to be able to come here and create the American life because... I really love this country. You know, I love my country, but I really love this country and everything that it offers. I feel like I'm also very traditional in a, in a sense. I didn't realize that I was very traditional until I got older. I'm just so grateful, you know, for anything that you're able to do here. I mean, I was able to go to school and learn how to read and speak another language. And I was able to get a job, able to discover myself and find out who am I. And then I'm able to shed different layers. And I'm also able to re re rediscover myself. I'm able to travel. I'm able to to meet different types of people. I'm able to build a business from scratch and I'm able, like the ideas that I have in my mind or that come to me, I'm able to pursue them because I can, because I can in this country. As long as you have, you put the work in, you could literally do whatever you want to do. And I don't know if I would be able to do those if I would have stayed in Mexico. Maybe I could have, I don't know. Maybe I could have, I don't know enough because I didn't live there enough but I did just go there recently last month took my two daughters for the first time I hadn't been to Mexico in 18 years okay and it wasn't because I was afraid it was just go I'm 33 now so last time I went to Mexico besides this past time I was 15 years old so I was in high school you know I loved Mexico I was having a good time I would go to the ranch, I would hang out with my cousins, like everything. It was a different, it was different back then, you know? I got older, we stopped going to Mexico for like two years, and then I started working, and then it was like, oh no, I can't miss work. No, I can't miss work. And then, oh, I'm going to go to school, and then I can't miss school. So then I stopped going to Mexico, and then I got into a relationship with my husband, and I was like, oh no, he's, I want to say he's like second or third generation. So the way he, he was raised versus the way I was raised is completely different. He doesn't know how to speak Spanish, so his first language is English. And it's crazy, let me tell you, my parents, right, they wanted me to continue to speak and know Spanish. They wanted us to know English, but they never wanted us to forget nuestra cultura, you know, like... Um, your language. You don't want to sound like how I sound right now. You don't want to sound like you're forgetting your Spanish, right? It was like, no, you're you're proud. You're, you're, you need to be proud that you're Mexican and that you know how to speak Spanish. You know how to read and write and like be proud of your cultura, you know, and those were my parents. Those are my parents. See, my husband's parents are, or family is more like I think they were born like in Texas. His parents didn't want to teach um, him and his siblings Spanish because they didn't want they didn't want other people around them to judge them for having an accent. They wanted their kids to be well spoken in English so that they could have better opportunities because that's how it used to be back in the day. Back in our day, that's how it used to be. I remember back in the day, it used to be a little bit different. Now, if you're able to speak English and Spanish and more languages, it's you get a raise, you know, you get paid more, um, you have more opportunities. Back then, it was more like, no, don't speak Spanish because people are going to know you're Mexican. If you speak Spanish, like, it's not a good thing, you know, because they're going to make fun of you or they're going to call you wetback. They're going to call you this and all these different things. It's crazy how how life has changed, you know. But now that my husband doesn't know how to fluently speak Spanish, he wishes he did. He has been learning in Spanish because of me, you know, and my family. We speak to him in Spanish. My little baby, my babies are fluent in Spanish, speak Spanish. They understand Spanish. So sometimes my husband makes, you know, he just, he has to learn Spanish because our kids know Spanish. So he's like, I don't want you guys to be talking bad about me. I'm like, we're not going to be talking bad about you. It's crazy because he wishes he would have learned how to speak Spanish, you know, at least be fluent in it. How to get, um, get by. He knows how to order food. <laughs> he knows more than that. He's very smart, but you know what I mean. And now, see, I'm actually in, I'm enrolling my daughter in the dual immersion program because I don't want her to forget Spanish. I want her to learn how to read it and write it. She knows how to, 
she's fluent in Spanish, but she doesn't know how to read it or write it yet because she, you know, she's five. She's going to be in kindergarten. So we're both on the same page as far as that. He understands the benefits of learning, of knowing another, speaking another language, especially Spanish and where we live. For myself, like here in my business, I feel like I'm able to open my business to more than the English speaking community because I can understand Spanish and I'm able to communicate back in Spanish and read in Spanish and write in Spanish. I've had clients, señoras del empaque, you know, whatever. And they tell me like, you know, I've, I've always trying to get my facials done, but I went so-and-so and I felt like they were being really rude because they didn't know English. They couldn't explain to me what they were doing or they just couldn't communicate with me. And I've been there. I've been there where... I feel like because of how I looked Mexican or how I sounded or because of my name that I don't get the same treatment as others. It didn't doesn't really affect me. And because of I know what that feels like, I never want to do to make anyone feel like that. If anything, if ever I'm out and if I'm ever out, I always if I hear someone struggling because they can't communicate with someone else in English, I, I come in and I ask them if I can help them out. Um, because to me, that's my mom. To me, that's my my aunt, my grandma, or somebody else in this country that could be needing assistance of translating, you know? And it's actually a really cool thing to do. It feels really nice to be able to communicate with more than just this English-speaking community. And also just you know, helping, helping. It's actually a really awesome superpower to have to be able to speak more than one language. So I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for that. No, that was dope. <laughs> like, could be, that could be the whole episode, honestly. Um, yeah. I, yeah, no, Brandon, hop in because I know you probably have some, yeah, you writing some notes. I did. I, yeah, I was writing all <laughs> the questions down because there are just so many times where like, a lot of your story sounds uh, like other inspiring stories that I've heard. And, I, you know, I'm very interested in how people think and mindsets. And I, I was curious, it seemed like there was an identity shift when you went from having a permit to being a citizen, right? Would that be safe to say that it was like a transition or a pivot point? Oh, yes, 100%, because um, I'm not going to lie. When I was a permanent resident, I was able to go in and out. I was able to go back in between different countries. But I still had a, every time I went to Mexico and I would come back, I was always held at entering the United States at our customs. I was always held and they would put me to the side and ask me questions. I hated it. I even missed a flight because of it. And my husband was able to just go through like nothing, you know, and I'm like, okay, whatever. It's fine. It is what it is. Like, this is one of the things I have to do. I also saw it as a not like a bad thing, but it was like, at least I'm able to go in back and forth. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that can't go and visit their family in Mexico. At least I can. I just have to put up with a couple more questions, whatever, you know, that's fine. But when I did finally apply for my citizenship, I was so scared. Let me tell you, I was more afraid of applying for my citizenship than I was for like opening up a business and just, you know, I mean, for this business, it was different. Like, but for my citizenship, I still had the fear that they would reject me. And then like, what if they reject and rejected me and then they deport me? I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't want to, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, all I know is the United States. Like, how am I going to go live in Mexico? You know, my, but about my kids, it, it's crazy because they would not do that, you know, but I had, I still had that fear that that could happen. They couldn't, I mean, unless I did some crazy felony, you know, but it's crazy that I still had that fear. And what I'm curious about that, that like made me wonder how has that experience being able, cause before, I don't know, we recorded it or beforehand you had mentioned like wearing a lot of hats. There's different hats to wear as an adult, as you grow up. And that's kind of like exchanging one hat for another, right? But it's a there's closure in that. There's a permanent change, right? So how did that shift or experiencing that experience, how did that translate or prepare you to open up a business 
as a mother and a wife because that's those are different hats so you know as you mentioned there's lots a lot of life lessons that you learn like what are some of the life lessons that you learned um that are connected to you know that pivotal moment where you experience that and you're like okay i made it to the other side like because you mentioned fear but the fear the vision you had with fear was so different from the actual reality right so how how did like experiencing that and like realizing like oh i was just tripping like they're not actually going to deport me they can't you know you recognize that retrospectively and so having that experience how did that prepare you for what you're doing now because that's those are a lot of roles like i'm i have a wife and a baby and she's like a hustler too but i i see her in so many different roles because she has a full-time job as well and that's like a hat that she has to wear so it's like that superpower how you know how did that experience help you for what you're doing now in pursuing your dreams and a business well let me tell you i started my business before i received, I even thought about applying to my citizenship. The reason why I decided to apply, um, my parents had finally completed their 20 years. I believe it's either 20 years or 25 years that you have to be in this country before you can take the citizenship test in Spanish. So she told me, she's like, I'm going to apply for it. They're going to raise the prices in like a couple weeks. I'm going to apply. And I was like, no, why? And I'm like, we're fine. We're fine. You know, we're here. We're fine. And then she was like, no, I'm going to do it. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, wow, my mom, who doesn't speak English, she's going to apply for her citizenship and I'm too scared to do it. I mean, I've conquered way more, more, like I've conquered so many things. Why am I still afraid of doing it? You know, and you know what it is, is fear of losing what you have. Have you ever felt that feeling where you are so happy with your life, you're you look at yourself and it's not like in a materialistic way, but more like, wow, I'm really happy. You know, I have a family, I'm healthy. I have kids, you know, I have a home. Um, you know, I like what I do. I like that. Maybe I'm not where exactly where I want to be at, but I know that I have hope for, for every day and for the rest of my life. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I have so much to lose. Like, you know, it's crazy because you're like, whoa, if I something happens, if for some random reason I thoughts go into my head, I'm like, what if like for some reason I'm watching a movie and then I'm like, oh, my God, what if for some reason I, w I start robbing a bank and then like my life is over? I'm like, I have so much to lose. But then I'm like, why would you be robbing a bank? You know, like, because I'm watching a movie. I know it's a movie, but I'm like putting myself in their shoes. And I'm like, dude, you just lost your whole life. Why would you do that? But I'm like, okay, it's a movie. You're not going to rob a bank. But I'm just being a little dramatic about it, but detached from the movie. And then I'm like, oh my God, is something bad happened? I have so much to lose. And to me, the equivalent, that fear of applying and then telling me like, no, you know, you can't. I thought that they could kick me out, but it was honestly just fear of the unknown. And I started looking into it. I started looking into it and they can't, they can't deport you. You know, it's just as Mexicans, you know, as Mexicanos, like you grew up being afraid of La Migra and you grew up being afraid of like, no, you can't do anything bad because they're going to kick you out. You know, they're going to deport you. And you know, my parents were like, don't be a don't be a bad kid because the police officer is right there. He's going to take you. And then he's, gonna, you know, like they they instilled fear in in us since we were kids. You grow up with that fear. You know, I didn't realize that I was still carrying it as an adult. I didn't realize that I was still carrying it as an adult. And that was mind blown. My mom, she applied for it. And she's like, I paid for it. I applied for it. I have my appointment with the lawyer. I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, if she's going to do it, like I have to do it. If she's going to, if she has the courage to do it, why would I not? I know how to read and write English. You know, I, I know how to study. And why am I afraid of studying questions and not being able to pass it? And I would remember myself, like, look what you've done. You've created a business from zero, you know, my hands, my hard work, my reputation, always investing in myself and sacrifice, a lot of sacrifices, you know, time, late nights, free services, because I was learning, you know, I messed up someone's lashes, someone's skin, you know, I've done it all. I've like lost my time, my money. I've lost 
trust in other people and in myself. I was able to overcome all of that by remembering that I held the power. I held the power. I was magic. Miracles exist within us. You know, we're the miracles. We're the miracle makers. And I said, if I don't pass it, you just try again. You know, you just study. It's just crazy because, you know, I really... So the process of citizenship, okay? Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious to, to know what type, they, what type of questions they brought you. Okay, so you apply for it, okay? You apply, you go out on the internet, you apply in line, and you pay your fee. At the fee that I paid, I believe it was $725 or $750. They were going to raise it to, I believe, $1,100 or $1,200 within like a, a couple weeks, which is kind of crazy because, I mean, if you're thinking about it, that's kind of a lot of money for the normal person to be able to save that much amount of money and pay for a fee that you might not you might get the permission. You might get the citizenship. You're not guaranteed. You might, right? So then I paid that. You know, they ask you for your record. You turn in your paperwork, everything. They ask you how many times you've been out of the country. You have to remember everything. It's crazy. You apply for it online. Afterwards, they send you a letter, a physical letter in the mail, and they tell you, we received your letter pretty much full tight until you get the next step. And the next step is supposed to be doing your fingerprints. After you finish your fingerprints and you, they clear you, then you receive another letter in the mail telling you the date of your interview. The interview is when you get tested on the questions. It's 100 questions that you study, and they'll ask you anything from 6 to 10 of those questions. So you don't know which questions. You just have to study them all. And then once if you pass that test, then they still have to review your profile and after you pass and then they, they review your profile and everything looks good, then you get a, a date for the ceremony where you are sworn in, you know, uh, an oath to the United States. So it's kind of a long process. It could be anything from six months to 17 months. It's a lot of it's a long time. We applied October of 2020. Um, I applied in October of 2020 online I, my, for my dad and myself. My mom went to a lawyer and she applied and I went with her. So when, by the time when I went with her and I listened to the questions that the lawyer was saying, I kind of knew the answers what to do as far as my mom filling out the information. The only reason why she went to a lawyer is because you have to fill out these questions in English and she wanted to make sure it was going to be done correctly. So I was there with her. Once I heard her and I'm like, hey, so you pretty much just answer these questions. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, so then why does she need you? She was like, well, because she doesn't know how to do it in English. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So can I do it online? She was like, yeah, you can. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so then um, I believe the fee was about 150 so I saved that fee by doing it myself. After that, a couple of days, a couple of weeks later, we were so excited. My dad was actually pretty afraid. He had the same fear that I had. You know, my mom, she was like, this is going to happen. It's going to be good. You know, I was like, what? It's like, I didn't know where this was coming from, you know? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, they're going to be good. But in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, what if I get denied? And then my business closes down. And I'm like, it's crazy because people who know me, they would not even think this is in my head. I don't show it. You don't talk about it. But I guarantee you that's a real fear in a lot of people if they don't have their citizenship. And I'm pretty sure that fear is even worse if you don't have any kind of permanent residency. I had that fear with permanent residency and I was able to be here, but yet I still had that fear. Once I got through my business and everything, I was so excited. I was happy. I finally got approved. You know, they told me, they sent me a letter saying, we've received your application. So the next step was supposed to be me receiving my application for, to get my fingerprints. So I go, they, I received a letter saying like, hey, Karina, we want you to come this day, what so-and-so. I'm like, okay, I go to San Jose. I actually had to work that day. So I go early. My appointment was in San Jose, I believe like around eight in the morning. So I left Salinas. I stayed with my parents that night here in Salinas. I actually live in Soledad. So I left Salinas at six in the morning, got to San Jose at eight o'clock and my appointment was at 830 I go in there, you know, they ask you, bring in your green card, bring in your all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I go and I take my stuff and I'm getting checked in. I'm getting checked in. I'm thinking this whole time, I'm thinking they're going to take my fingerprints. Okay. I have not studied 
anything at all because I'm like, okay, the next step is to get my fingerprints. After I get my fingerprints, then I have weeks to study. That was my, my, my thinking. That's the process. And so I go in there and I see all these, they're like, go ahead and sit down, take a seat. And I'm like, okay, I grab it. I take a seat and I see all these people, you know, and they're just looking very formal, dressed up. I'm in my uniform. I'm like, oh my goodness, everyone looks nervous. What is happening? I'm like, oh my goodness, is this the interview? Like what is happening here? I'm like, no, this is not the interview. Is this the interview? I was freaking out. I was freaking out. So I'm sitting there and I'm just like, no, I'm just going to tell him that I need to reschedule because I did not know this was the interview. I'm nowhere near prepared for that. I've been going through this journey myself, like a spiritual journey where I've been doing a lot of work with my ego. When you do a lot of work with your ego, it takes a lot of being self-aware, being self-aware of your situation, of you, of um, those around you, of everything. I thank goodness to that ego work, sticky situations, you know, like that. I was, I sat there and I'm like, first of all, my ego is telling me like, no, go ahead and reschedule it. You know, like you didn't study, like what's going to happen if you fail, like you're a complete failure, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then I sat there and I'm like, no, I finally like ego, I need you to be quiet. And I, you know, sat there and I started praying and I started meditating. And then I'm like, no, this is a great opportunity that I'm able to sit here and take this test. You know, I finally was called. I've been waiting months. I've almost waited a year to be called. And now you've finally been called and you're going to want to reschedule because of your ego. I'm like, no, you know, you haven't, you have a phone. Okay. You have a phone, download, download the app, start studying, just try, you know, if you try, then you at least know you tried and then you can try again, you know, and like, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. You have this opportunity. There's so many people in other countries that don't have the opportunity to be here, that don't have the opportunity to be able to work. They don't have the opportunity to even get to the step where you're already a permanent residency and now you're getting the opportunity to take that interview. I was like, no, Karina, what are you doing? And I was like, just try. You're already here. You're already, don't take this opportunity for granted. So then that's what I started to do. I was like, okay, you're right. You're right, spirit. You know, I was like, I'm going to start studying and I'm going to try. And I started studying and oh my goodness, I was getting like C's in the test. And then they started going up and then it became from C's to B's. And then it was 90s, A's. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, I did some breath work and I was like, okay, I just kept repeating them, repeating them. And within an hour, they called me. And then I remember like, oh my gosh, my name. They called me, I got up and I walked over and they're like, hi, do you know why you're here? And I was like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know? And then they're like, okay, it's the interview. You ready? And I'm like, yeah. But I'm like, instead I'm like, oh my God, this is an interview. You know, like, okay, like you're sweating. And I was like, okay, fine, let's do it. You would have not known I was freaking out, but I was freaking out. It's, oh my goodness it's this hall they walk you over inside and there's all these doors and everything's quiet and you can just see the desk and it's like oh my goodness it's great it's not that scary but it was scary in the moment and she's like go ahead grab a seat and I'm like okay cool I grab a seat she was like you're here to take your test your interview you know they walk you through and they're like, okay, we're going to ask you a couple questions and, you know, we'll go from there. I'm like, okay, cool. Do you guys want to know what, what they asked me? First of all, they have to verify that it's you, right? So they ask you your name, you know, they ask your name, your address, your social security number. And then after they ask you, okay, there's an iPad right in front of you. I need you to write the, the sentence that I'm going to tell you. I'm like, okay. So I believe the sentence was something about the White House is white and something, I don't know, something. And I'm like, that's all I have to write? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So I wrote it in the iPad. And she's like, okay, cool. Um, now I need you to read this sentence, this next sentence. And I'm like, okay. And it was the same thing. It was like the White House, like people sit in the White House or I don't know, something, something about the White House. So I read it out loud. She's like, okay, that, that sounds good. And then afterwards, she's like, now I'm going to ask you a couple questions. And I'm like, okay. And they start asking me questions, you know. I can't even tell you which questions they asked me. Like, I don't know what happened, but I answered every single question correctly. And she told me, I was counting the questions too. By question six, 
She was like, okay, great. You've answered all questions correctly. You've passed this test. I was like, oh my God, like, are you serious? Like I came back to my body and I was like, oh my goodness, how do I get here? I blacked out. I blacked out in the questions she asked me. If I look at them, I'm pretty sure I can tell you what they were again, but it was something like, who's the president, you know? And I said, Joe Biden. And then they asked, you know, how many branches or something like that. And I forgot, honestly, if you asked me these questions, I would not answer that. I would not know the answers. But at that moment, I was focused. I came back to my body and I was so happy. Afterwards, they verified like how many times you've come out of the country. And they tell you, so it looks here that you wrote that you've been out of the country this many times. I'm like, yes. And they're like, okay. And then afterwards you say, United States needs you to fight. I'm just, these are lamer terms, but they say it more fancy, you know, like if United States need you to fight for them like would you fight I'm like yes do you give up like any like do you give up any something else for other countries and I'm like yes United States all the way you know like yes like yes I'll do whatever you want me to do <laughs> afterwards they're like okay now you can go ahead and sign here and congratulations you passed this part of the test and I was like <gasps> I told her I was like oh my goodness thank you thank you I didn't even know this was the test like the, the interview and she was like you didn't I'm like no and I'm like, I thought the second step was the fingerprints. She was like, you know what? Because of COVID, a lot of things have been transferred over. So if you've gotten, you know, your fingerprints for the DMV or something, anything else, they, we probably got it from there. I was like, oh my goodness. I was about to say, you know, and they're like, we're going to review your, pro your profile, but everything looks pretty good. If you'll get a letter from us within a couple of weeks, the rest of uh, the next step goes from there. I'm like, okay. I walked out of that building crying. I was so happy. I couldn't speak, you know, because, okay, my parents, they received their second step for the fingerprints. They did their fingerprints. They were just waiting for the third step, which is the interview. They didn't get the fingerprints. I went straight to the interview. So they were kind of wondering, why would you have to go all the way to San Jose to do your fingerprints? I'm like, I don't know. So they thought I was getting my fingerprints this whole time. So I come out, my mom's calling me. I have missed calls from my mom and I finally call her. I call her back and I'm like, I can't speak. I'm like, <gasps> she's like, what's wrong? She starts crying. She starts like being nervous. I was like, everything's okay. Everything's okay. I was like, it's just, I passed. They're like, what? And I'm like, mom, it was the test. I passed. And she was like, <gasps> she starts crying. I start crying, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I passed. And, you know, I'm talking to them in Spanish. My sister is crying. I can hear her crying. I can hear my sister walking by like, why are you, why are you crying, mom? And my mom's like, she passed. Pasó. And they're just like, what? My sister gets on the phone. She's like, what happened, sis? I was like, it was a test and I passed. She's like, oh, she starts crying. You know, I start crying again. And then like my dad walks by and he's like, what happened? Like they think because they're crying, it's something bad. And I tell my dad, I was like, dad, pase. Like, what's the test? He's like, what? And, you know, he's happy. And it was crazy. It was in that moment, I had my movie moment. I was sitting in the truck. And I was like being one of those people that I was yelling, yes. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Like, you know, you see it in the movies. You're like, oh my goodness, these people are so dramatic. But I had that moment. I was like, oh my goodness, I did it. Like, this is it. Like, I didn't realize that I was waiting my whole life for that. I was waiting my whole life for that. It felt so good to finally be able to do that. And honestly, I didn't believe in myself. When I did that, I was like, I can do anything that I want to do. From now on, like, I am going to put fear to the side because I can do anything I want to do. I can do anything as long as you, you do it. And I was like, I barely studied. I studied for an hour. I think it was good that I studied for an hour. I think if I would have studied longer than that, probably would have had fried my brain or something, you know, but... I did it and I was so happy and I came home and you know my parents we hugged and we cried I had to go back to work because I was not thinking at all that's what was going to happen you know otherwise I would have blocked it off to celebrate or something I went straight back to work and I just felt so like unstoppable I felt like wow I just such a high pressure situation and I freaking killed it. I was like, all I had to do was just believe in myself and try. It's like, why is it so difficult and challenging for us human beings? We are our worst critics, and yet we're also our worst. We're the ones that stop ourselves. People tell you, oh, they're afraid of failure. No, 
we're afraid of success because if you succeed in something, it's kind of like you have higher expectations and expectations of yourself. A lot of us are actually afraid of success, not failure. It's kind of crazy because we think that it's the other way around. That was really beautiful. And soon after that, my mom and my dad were able to get theirs. And, you know, now we're all, now we all have our citizenship. You know, we went to Mexico, like I said, a month ago, and I was expecting for them to stop me and they didn't. They were like, okay, bye. I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> we have cheese in the in the suitcase. You don't want to check it? And they're like, no, you're good. I was like, okay. I was like, this is so weird. Used to getting stopped. It felt really good. It felt really good to get my passport, my American passport. I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of that. And I'm really grateful and thankful for this country. I, I love this country and all the opportunities we're able to have here. Yeah, it it sounds like a very vulnerable process. You hadn't, sh- that, like that, that's not something you shared with somebody with that you had all the fear. And I hope that there's a part two to this because I have so many questions written down. And I know this is a first gen like series, but I, I really hope that we can have you back for part two because there are so many questions about that I want to ask about like the process and the vulnerability you experienced. But then, you know, what inspired you to stop yourself and say this, identify the ego as it is, as like a almost like a third party involved in the conversation and then objectively look at that, address it and say, you are actually stopping me from the process and it sounds like, you know, you said that not a lot of people talk about this fear, but it sounds like you spoke for everybody when, you know, I deduced it to fear amplifies like negative possibilities that are just as possible as the good ones. And it just seems to focus on the negative ones. And then I wanted to like counterbalance that with the fear of success because it's like, two different fears but a very same magnitude or very same in weight you know that because they both keep you from who you're meant to be or who you're capable of being if you believe in yourself um there's some yeah so many questions that I want to ask yeah I mean think about it if I was if I actually allowed fear to stop me I would have walked out of the building and gone home and I wouldn't have taken the test because my ego would have said no you're not going to you're not going to go in there and make a, and be vulnerable and and possibly fail fear it's so crippling it's very powerful if if you allow it to take over or imagine it's not our imagination but it's it's something that you can't touch you know and we have to remind ourselves we're more powerful than that and so what if you fail so what if i would have so what if i failed i would have studied and tried again you think i was going to stop no like it was just our nerves. We stop ourselves from so much because we're kind of weak as human beings. And if we don't learn how to believe in ourselves or trust ourselves, trust yourselves. There's a lot of uh, where people, they're like, oh, I don't trust other people. Actually, you don't trust yourself. It's the fear of not trusting yourself because if you trusted yourself, you don't need to trust others. You need to learn how to trust yourself before you can trust anything else. The reason why a lot of us have a trust issues is because we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust ourselves. And it's crazy. We like to project that onto others. We say, no, I don't trust them. I'm, I have trust issues. It's more like you don't trust yourself. I've had to put in a lot of work to trust myself. When I trust myself, I don't, I have to remind myself. It's always, it's, it's daily thing that you have to remind yourself to trust yourself. And when you trust yourself, you don't allow that fear to take over, which is crazy. No, I would love to do a part two. I know it, time flies when you're having fun, but there's, I, I, know, I really. This is I, your space, girl. This yeah, was. And I really want to capture that. Thank you so much for sharing. There's so, so much vulnerability in that, but it, it, you know, there was so much of vulnerability in the process a while ago. There's so much of that that you experienced, but you just mentioned that the, you know, the, the self-work happens still on a daily basis from it a day to day basis in present time so uh, that's something that i don't know I, I hope that we could take that concept and then have that be like the seed of episode two of this because there's so much it's one thing to experience it I, i'm sure that you can agree on this is like sometimes you feel like you may be 
the only one experiencing it and so you don't know if you can trust yourself enough to be like okay this is one of those times where i have to really trust myself or am i just like overestimating how much i really got it you know what i mean like overconfident it, that is a delicate balance or a delicate line that like i really want to have a conversation around because it sounds like you experienced that and i'm curious to see how you word it and i'm sure others are too because you know it's we're getting at that age we're starting to realize a lot of what's around us is built by people just like us um and you were saying projections you know like if you don't trust somebody if you don't trust yourself it's difficult to trust somebody else it's like a coin you have to have the other side of that too and that could be with positive things too like you mentioned the fear of success so we're getting to that age where we start recognizing like you said how we are magical and that success starts reflecting on the outside world but the process itself sounds super it is vulnerable and i'm curious to like hear what your mentality was like what you were consuming as far as like you know not just diet wise but like information wise spirituality wise things of that nature you know what i mean so i hope that we can use that for the next combo Yes, I would love to get into that, honestly, because you know how people think that you have to work out to be healthy, right? It's not just working out. It's what you feed your mind. It's what you tell yourself. You could be posting all these positive quotes, but if you're posting these positive quotes, but then you're over here doubting yourself, kind of doesn't matter what, what you're posting, you know? It matters more like how you talk to yourself. It's a lot of work that you have to do with inner with ourselves i'm going to tell you one of the my things that really helped me out is i disconnect from social media when as i was learning through my journey i've learned to use social media as a tool not have social media use me or consume me i don't follow celebrities i only follow what i know i'm strong enough to handle so i do a lot of small business i love to um, support uh, local businesses i follow some of my clients back i follow you know, a lot of business mindset, uh, mental stuff, spirituality, you know, Reiki. Um, I follow a bunch of stuff that I know is going to help me. So, yeah, something I want to point out. Yeah, something I want to point out is, is this just what's happening is that you're recognizing that you're actually in a space you yeah. know very little about. And I feel like that that's something that social media has eliminated from Mm -hmm. those who engage in social media and it's funny because me and jennifer have been talking about this for a few months now um because it, there's just so much there to to say but about our relationship as a generation yeah to the internet and social media so that's something that mm -hmm. i want to keep i want to make note of that because that's that's i feel like that is a conversation in it of itself because there's an element of very similar vulnerabilities where you take one hat off, put on another one, and it seems like you've made a permanent shift mentally as well because you are recognizing not only your strengths but your weaknesses, even if you can't put a right. label to them or a name to them. You know, and that's that. Yeah, that stands out to me a lot. And I, I, thanks for being as vulnerable as you are and whatever you know opposite of that is on the other side of the coin because it it help you know it helps the listeners and the viewers see okay this is somebody that is just honest with themselves outside of yeah the gossiping or the you know what? It's, it has a lot to do with the ego. It has a lot to do with the ego. The ego is to protect us. The ego our ego makes stories in our head to protect us. Why we were the ones that are betrayed or, you know, we're so-and-so like it's no one's betraying you situations that we put ourselves in. And because we don't want to accept the responsibility of maybe we should have paid attention to the red flags. We call it like, Oh no, they betrayed us. Like, no, it's just, you didn't trust yourself, but it's a lesson. It takes a lot of doing work with your ego to be able to detach from the situation and 
realize the bigger picture, which in reality, we're all living our own worlds. I know when I wake up, I listen to my voice. When you wake up, you listen to your voice. You know, when you wake up, Jennifer, you listen to your voice and you only pay attention around what's going on in your, in your mind, you know, in your head, like, we are the stars of our universe. And sometimes it's, it's, it's challenging to detach from that. And um, it's challenging to detach from that and not be able to listen to our ego all the time. But it's possible. It's possible. We just have to put in the work. No, it's so dope. It is. It is. Throughout this whole episode, I know me and Brad have been really quiet because you just have so much to share. And it was really dope hearing your story. And, getting the perspective on like what a lot of other people go through and even what our parents went through Brandon Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like that was so dope to even just hear thank you and kind of like now I want to go ask right you know so I think that's so dope and it makes me think as we're talking about like mindset and like rediscovering yourself and having the opportunity it makes me think about how we are often like in survival mode and you are constantly having to figure out like, how am I going to survive and stay Mm -hmm. sane in this world? Right. And I don't know if it's like a first gen thing or what, but it's totally like your constant, your, your mindset is constantly Mm -hmm. evolving. Right. Because we've had different challenges and gosh, we could go on and on and on. I feel like we're on Jay Shetty podcast right now, but um, (laughs) thank you so much, Karina. I want to know if there's anything else on your heart. You know, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, I just want everyone to know that they're magical, you know, and you hold everything within you. You're able to read and write and you're able to go to school and learn a new skill. You're able to work, even if you hate your work and you're making money to feed yourself, to pay your car, gas, put clothes on yourself, whatever it is, you're already winning at life with that. And If you ever feel like you're comparing yourselves with others, just detach, detach from, take a break from social media, take a break from your family, take a break from your friends, you know, and look within yourself, do meditation, do work within yourself. If you don't like something about yourself, work on it. And that's it. You just got to work on it. You know, you have the ability to do it. And if you don't like your work, you don't like your job, go back to school or I don't know, whatever it is that you need to do to find what it is that you love to do. Because we were put on this world to make magic happen. And you could have been born as a bird and, you know, like you, you fly. But here as a human being in this body that we're carrying, we have a voice. We're able to just do anything we set our minds to, you know, no matter what that is. And I just hope that everyone is able to discover the power that they each hold and believe in themselves because I pretty much believe in everyone, everyone. And I hope everyone can, you know, unlock that just freaking make magic in this world, you know, like whether it's with by yourself, your family or with whoever you want to, it's this energy, this world that we're in right now. It's so amazing that wish nobody to live like nothing less than magical. I just, I know I keep saying magical, but honestly, everyone's just magic. So I just hope you guys all uncover the magic you have within you and just try every day, every day and believe in yourself and you're your biggest fan. Just do it. (laughs) I hope that that resonates with some people. And if you guys have any questions, you can always send me a DM or, or email or, you know, however, I'm pretty open. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much, Karina, for sharing that. Uh, especially the last message. That's something I'm. I'm gonna. I'm inspired. I'm gonna create magic uh, right after this. And you know what? Magic doesn't have to be like opening up a business. You know, magic can be like being the best dad ever, being the best partner ever. You know, being the best son, daughter, whatever. Like whatever is to you that matters. It doesn't have to be you know, creating a brand or I don't know, whatever. It's just, it starts within you. And I'm kid you not. Once you work within you, the rest, the rest of everything in your life just comes together and it comes together. And next thing you know, you're living the life of your dreams. 
but it all starts within within us, within you, whatever that may be, whatever that magic is, it may be within you. That's I hope we all are able to unlock that magic. Yeah, that's dope. Cause I, I that's yeah. We're gonna have to come back to to. Yes, I am sure. down. Uh, I'm down. I'm down. 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 Yes. Around. Yeah. I mean, aside from thanking you uh, for your vulnerability, for taking us deep in the mind of the experiences you had, thank you for the light that you shed, and for all the positivity essentially that and, and encouragement really for shedding all that tonight i don't have anything else we're just so happy okay thank you guys and so much for yeah, having we, me we selfishly want a part two me and brandon uh but we know the audience will too so thank you so much